Welcome to Digital Stratosphere, the podcast that helps organizations throughout the world with their digital transformation journeys. Here, you will find independent and technology agnostic advice with no software vendor sales spin to help you make the best decisions for your organization. Whether you are in the process of selecting technology, in the midst of your transformation, or trying to get your initiative back on track, Digital Stratosphere provides expertise and best practices to help. I've always been fascinated in how one digital transformation might succeed, while another one that looks similar on paper might fail. What are the reasons why a project succeeds or fails? That's what I want to talk about here today. My name is Eric Kimberling. I'm the CEO of Third Stage Consulting. We're an independent consulting firm that helps clients throughout the world reach their third stage of digital transformation success. And one of the services we provide clients is helping them define their digital strategies to ensure that they're on the right track and that they're preparing for success in their digital transformations. We also help clients through their implementations and help them through the transformation. And we also help with project recovery and expert witness work, which entails working with failed implementations to help either get them back on track and or to testify in court as to why those projects failed. And one of the lessons I've learned over the years is that you can take two digital transformations that look very similar on paper, and you would expect that both of those digital transformations would have very similar outcomes. However, we often find that two similar transformations end up with very different results because of key decisions they make and key areas of focus and key things that they do differently throughout the project. So what I wanna to do today is unpack an example of two case studies, one successful client that we worked with and one failure that we've worked with. Now on the surface, both of these companies are very similar. They're similar size, they're similar scope, similar complexity, similar internal dynamics, but yet they ended up with two very different results. So what I wanna do is unpack how and why they ended up at different endpoints in their transformation journeys. Now, as I'm diving into these case studies here today, one point of reference that might also help you is to look at our digital transformation report. It's an annual report we publish each year that highlights a number of best practices and lessons learned from helping clients through digital transformations over the years. So that's something you can read by scanning the QR code in front of you, or you can go to the links in the description field below. So first, let's talk about each of these two companies on the surface and what these two companies are all about. Both of these companies that I'm going to talk about here today are for-profit, and as you'll see, they're very similar on the surface, but as we get into the details of what each of these companies did during their digital transformation, you'll see that despite their similarities, the way they executed their digital transformations were very different. So first, we'll start with the failure case study. This particular organization is a $15 billion utility which means there's a lot of complexity in their operations, a lot of field services, a lot of crews that need to be managed, a lot of inventory, a lot of regulatory pressures, a lot of different dynamics that make this a complex organization. This organization also has about 30 locations throughout North America. They happen to be based in the North American region where I'm based. Our organization works globally, but this particular client is in North America. They have 30 locations and most of their growth came through organic growth. And by the way, they have about 20,000 employees. So on the surface, large complex organization, multiple locations, a lot of organic growth. Now on the successful case study side, what we're gonna talk about here is a similar company, a little bit different, but similar. It's a $20 billion organization. 
So still large, a little bit larger than this one. So strangely enough, larger organization, even more complex than this one, yet they're more successful than the failure. I'll come back as to why that is. $20 billion, roughly 40 business units throughout North America. And most of their growth has been through M&A, mergers and acquisitions. So in other words, they grew to this size primarily by going out and acquiring other organizations. And just as a side note, this organization had roughly 25,000 employees. So again, similar companies, this is actually a manufacturing organization, so slightly different industry. This is a utility, this is a manufacturer. So I'll clarify that here, that this is a manufacturing organization. They manufacture commodity products, uh, raw materials for a lot of other manufacturers. And now the question becomes, how can two companies that look similar size, similar scope, similar complexity, how can two companies have such different outcomes and different results? That's what I'm going to get into next. So let's dive into the differences between these two companies in these two case studies, beginning with the digital strategy. What was the digital strategy that was defined by each of these organizations and how are they different and how did they lead to very different outcomes? Well, first of all, if we look at the digital strategy, the failure, the $15 billion utility, had a way or a process of deferring to one single ERP system. The reason this is important and what I mean by deferring to one ERP system is that they went out to market, they bought a tier one ERP system, and they just universally decided that that will be the one ERP system that is going to be used across the enterprise. But they didn't necessarily understand what the gaps were and what the weaknesses were with this model, especially given some of the complexities that we talked about here. First of all, they're a utility, they have a bunch of different locations, they've had a lot of organic growth over the years, and what they came to find, which I'll get to later, is that their ERP system couldn't handle a lot of that complexity but they didn't do their due diligence early on to fully understand that. Now, the second thing that this organization did that was quite different than the successful case study is that they didn't have a clear vision for what they wanted from this digital transformation. In other words, this was just an ERP implementation. They didn't have a clear sense of what it was they wanted the digital transformation or the ERP software to do for their organization. So for this point, I'll just say that there was lack of clarity on what their strategy was. Another way to look at this is implementing an ERP system is not a strategy. It's a tactic to achieve a strategy, but if that becomes your strategy, that's a very weak strategy. And that's exactly what happened with this organization is they said, we are going to deploy an ERP system and that is our strategy. On the other hand, this organization went through something very different. First of all, they did not defer to one ERP system. They were strategic in selecting different types of technologies that would meet different needs throughout the organization. So we'll call this strategic use of technology. And then the other thing I'd say about this organization that's very different than the failure is that they were very clear about who they are as an organization in terms of both their strengths and weaknesses, as well as where they're headed as an organization. So they had a clear vision of where they were headed as an organization. So these two foundational differences are key reasons why one of these projects was successful and why one of them was a failure. And now I'll dive into some of the tactical things that happened within these strategies that further differentiated these two scenarios. So let's dive now into executive involvement. How did these two organizations act differently in their execution of the digital strategy as it relates to executive involvement? Well, starting with the failure, 
one thing that this organization did is they fully delegated the project to the PMO. PMO stands for program management. A lot of larger organizations have an internal PMO group that manages projects. And when I say they fully delegated the project, it may on the surface sound like, of course, the executives delegated the project. They need to do that to some degree, and I agree with that. But there's a fine line between delegating too much and delegating enough, but still having your hands involved where you need to. And in this case, the organization took very much a hands-off approach, and that's worth noting as well. So very hands-off in terms of how they managed the project. They didn't have clear expectations for the project. They didn't really get involved in any sort of significant decision-making as it relates to the digital transformation. And then the other thing that really haunted this project here is that the executives themselves were highly political and misaligned. And the reason this is so important is because this creates a significant headwind for an organization trying to go through transformation. If your executives are infighting, which they were in this case, there's a lot of infighting and backstabbing and, and or they're not on the same page, they're not aligned, they're not headed in the right direction, that is going to create a lot of problems that trickle down throughout the organization and ultimately to the digital transformation. So this backdrop from an executive involvement perspective are very difficult for this organization. Now let's shift gears and look at the successful organization. This manufacturing organization had a very different level of executive involvement. They were hands-on involved. And when I say hands-on involvement, I don't mean micromanaging, I don't mean lack of trust. I mean, they were involved in making key decisions around their business, improvements to their business operations that they wanted to pursue, scope changes, organizational changes. They were heavily involved in making those decisions and making sure they were all aligned before they moved too far down the path of a digital transformation. And then the other thing that gave this organization a lot of tailwinds instead of the headwinds that were experienced here is that the organization was very much aligned. The executive team was aligned. They just had a very common goal. Their culture was very strong and they had a way of rowing in the same direction. So high degree of alignment. Now I'll stop here for a second and point out that this organization had the benefit of having this foundation in place before they started their digital transformation. This organization did not. One word of advice I would give to this organization is they should have spent more time on this line item right here before they started going down the path of further digital transformation. Without resolving this problem, these other work streams and these other things that might happen during a digital transformation were highly unlikely, if not impossible, to succeed within this organization. If you are trying to achieve digital transformation success, turn to Third Stage Consulting Group. Third Stage's independent and technology agnostic consulting team helps clients define their digital strategies, select the right software, and manage their implementations. With offices in the U.S., Europe, and Australia, our team helps the world's most forward-thinking organizations through their transformation pitfalls and risks. Whether you are embarking on an ERP, HCM, CRM, supply chain management, or any other digital transformation, contact Third Stage Consulting to see how we can help you reach the third stage of transformation success. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com. Now next, it helps to look at how each of these two organizations address their business processes as part of their overall digital transformation. 
the failed implementation really had a lack of understanding of what their current processes are and what they wanted their future processes to be. There just wasn't much documentation around current state or future state, nor did they think much about what they wanted their future state to be. So essentially, there was a lack of focus on current and future state business processes. And then the other thing that this organization did, which is very related to the fact that they didn't have a focus on their future state business processes, is that they deferred to the technology to tell them or help them decide how to run their business. And I'm not talking about just how to use a system or transactional levels of detail. I'm talking about material business processes and material business workflows. There wasn't a clear sense of what those future state processes were going to be. So this organization chose to just bring in the technology and hope and pray that the technology would determine for them what their future state business processes would be. So here there was too much deference or too much dependence on technology processes. Now what this did is this created a lack of clarity for the organization and for the project team as they're going through the digital transformation. They did not have a clear sense of what they wanted their business processes to be. And when it came time to deploy technology, the technologists, the implementers, did not have a good sense of how to deploy the technology. And they ended up choosing how to configure and build the technology just to fit what they thought was the right answer, which in most cases did not align with the direction of this organization. Now shifting gears and looking at the other example here, the successful organization took a very different path. Now the thing I'll note here is that they didn't spend a lot of time going down in super granular detail defining a future state without understanding the technology, the technology strengths and limitations. But what they did do is more at a macro level, define what they knew they wanted their processes to be. They identified where they knew they wanted to improve their business processes. They may not have been sure how or what the individual detailed transactions would be, but they had a good overall sense and vision for what they wanted their business processes to be. Now, similar to this benefit here, or this advantage they had on the business process side, as far as having clearly defined processes, they also let the business drive the technological deployment rather than letting the technology drive the business changes. And this is really important. It's a very important nuance that a lot of organizations get hung up on. So the business drove the technology, the dog wagged the tail, the tail did not wag the dog in this case. Now again, the business drove the technology to a certain point and then certainly once you got down into the granular levels of detail, the technology had to work within the confines of what it could or couldn't do. But in general, the overall blueprint for the business processes were very clearly defined, which not only ensured that there was an implementation that was aligned with expectations for business process improvements, but it also gave the project team a great deal of clarity in terms of how technology would be deployed. It ended up costing this organization less time and money than this one. Now, when we look at the organizational change or the people side of the equation, there was two very different scenarios in that regard as well. This particular organization, the failed organization, viewed training as the sole one and only work stream within organizational change management. So there was an over-dependency on training and a myopic view of organizational change management as simply being training. The other thing that was a challenge here is that the organizational change team, because of all the problems that had started earlier in the process and some of the problems that were created by these other misalignments that we talked about, is that the change management team was oftentimes working towards a moving target. Because there was so much chaos and change in direction and lack of clarity in some of these other work streams, change management activities 
were very difficult and they had trouble getting traction because they themselves didn't fully understand what the changes were and what the impacts of the organization were, what the future state business processes were going to be, largely because the overall project team didn't understand that either. No one really understood what it was going to be. So that made the jobs of the organizational change team very difficult. So we'll just call this moving target. And then a third thing that's worth noting that I already mentioned is this uh, misalignment that we saw at the executive level. That misalignment trickled down to the project team as well. So there's a high degree of misalignment across the organization as well. Now, if we shift gears and look at the successful organization, again, very stark contrast compared to the failure. This organization took a comprehensive view of change management. In other words, they didn't depend solely on training to enable the change. They looked at everything from the way the organization was going to be designed, how the IT organization would need to evolve to support the transformation and the post-implementation. They looked at what the change impacts were and how they could start communicating those changes. And another thing they did that was very important is that they baked change management into the overall leadership roles throughout the organization. In other words, they didn't rely solely on a separate change work stream or a separate change activity or team. They embedded change activities throughout the leadership of the organization. So the changes were leadership driven rather than change team driven. And then last but not least, the misalignment that this organization faced on the failure side, this organization had the opposite, which is a very aligned executive team, a very aligned project team, and a very strong culture ultimately that was driving a lot of that alignment. So alignment was an important backdrop that this change team and this organization was working from. So you can see very two different scenarios from a change perspective as well. So one of the biggest contrasts between these two organizations is on the program and vendor management side. In other words, how each of these two organizations took ownership of the overall project and how they managed the overall project. Those are two very different scenarios. This organization, the failed organization, took sort of that outsourced mentality that they were gonna let the vendors drive the project for them. And similar to being vendor driven, there was also a lack of ownership that came along with that or a lack of internal ownership, I should say. And finally, the program management itself was focused on one work stream, primarily the technology work stream. It did not include or have in the purview of program management some of these other work streams, change management or business process management, uh, executive alignment, even just making sure there was strategic alignment, uh, data, architecture, all the different work streams that go into a digital transformation looks like this, but this organization focused on one myopic view of the overall program. So it was very much a technology implementation versus an overall program. Now, on the other hand, this organization took a very different view of program management and vendor management. Here, the program management was driven by the client themselves, the organization. They drove the project and they managed the vendor very effectively. So in other words, they managed the vendors. The vendors did not manage them. This is a really important unhealthy dynamic that you typically see in other cases that you did not see here, which is most organizations, because they're not the experts, feel like they have to defer to the software vendors and the experts, the outside experts. In this case, they did leverage experts, including third stage and including the technology vendors, but they knew exactly how to manage those resources and those experts. They did not allow the project to get out of control and it did not turn into an open checkbook as it did over here, 
because over here, the vendors were managing the project and there's a lot of things happening within the project that benefited the vendor, but did not benefit the client. That was not the case over here. In fact, just to give you a quick example, this organization here decided that they wanted to slow down the project and extend the timeline, not because they didn't want to be aggressive, but because they knew that the cultural changes and the operational changes they were trying to go through were going to take more time than the technology. So rather than just going at the same run rate for a longer period, they went to their vendors and said, we are going to throttle back and cut back the monthly run rate and extend the project. Vendors don't like that. Don't get me wrong. They do not like that because that hurts their revenue. It defers their revenue beyond what they like. But that was the right answer here. And that's exactly what this company did that was very different from this one. So they managed the vendors. They had very active ownership in the overall project. So there was no question as to what they were deploying or why they were deploying it. The business owned this overall project. So when it came to program and vendor management, we had two different scenarios. So now the question remaining is how did these two projects evolve and what was the outcome of these two very different projects? And I'll cover that next. So I've painted a picture of how these two transformations operated very differently. But what were the results? I've already given away the secret that this was a failure and this was not. This was a successful project. So let's start by focusing on what happened with the successful project, the one that I call the successful project. I don't want to say that this project was easy. There were no road bumps. There were no challenges because there were. There were road bumps and challenges along the way, a lot of pivots and changing directions that needed to happen. But this organization experienced a higher ROI. They had control of their project. They were able to manage costs much better than the other organization. And ultimately, they got the business value they were looking for. They got a digital transformation that aligned with what they were trying to accomplish as a business, and they didn't spend an arm and a leg trying to get there. Too often, organizations spend way too much money with too little business value to show for it, but that was not the case with this organization. This organization, on the other hand, ended up in litigation. This organization was attempting to do the entire transformation in three years, and in three years, they got one location out of the 30 live on the system. And once that one location went live, it was a complete disaster. And that's when they stopped the project and sued each other. Basically, it turned into litigation. And then they hired third stage to be the expert witness in that case. So two very different results. But again, back to the top line here, which is on paper, they look like very similar companies. Other than being in slightly different industries, they're very similar size, scope, magnitude, complexity, their aversion to risk, their aversion to change. All the things were very similar on the surface but the way they executed their digital strategies and their digital transformations could not have been much different. So I hope this has provided you some clarity on what constitutes a success versus a failure, and more importantly, how two different companies that look the same on paper can end up with very different results. Now, for more best practices and lessons learned around what constitutes a success versus failure in digital transformation, I encourage you to read our book called Lessons from 1000 Digital Transformations. This book outlines some of the best practices and lessons and how to make your digital transformation more successful. You can read that by scanning the QR code in front of you, and you can also go to the link in the description field below. So I hope you found this information useful and hope you have a great day. Learn more about us and download independent reports, videos, and other best practices at thirdstage-consulting.com.